0: grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Thank you to everyone, by the way, who joined us uh, last week for our Generations Picnic. It was a a great, great activity that we had out here at our Shea Campus. Got to get all of our different generations together to be able to spend some time in fellowship in the Lord. Uh, One of my favorite parts of that moment together, besides seeing all the Generations, uh, there were, if you weren't here with us, there, there were five different tables set up to represent each one of the generations we're looking at each week. At each table, there was candy from that time period that you could go and you could guess how many were inside of that jar. And so if you were the closest person to guess the amount of candies within that jar, you won that as a prize. My daughter was sitting there with me, and I said, you know, Kyrie, you should go over and and guess, you know, and try to see if you can win some candy. So I watched her go over, and she only went to the first two tables that had kind of the the younger generations that were there. And she skipped the other threes, the, the builders, the boomers, the Gen X. She didn't go over there, and she came back, and I said... Kyrie, you, you should go and guess at all the tables, because you will have a better chance of winning the candy then. And she said, Dad, you don't want that candy over there. It says it's from before 1946. <laughs> it was so interesting. I never would have guessed that in my mind from a younger generation. of That's the message they were taking, but what were we, what were we sharing with them? And it made sense to me afterwards. That's funny though of all the different generations that we did have gathered and the messages that we push down to generations that are to come. How important is that? Especially in these next two weeks as we talk about this generation today and the one next week of these younger individuals we have in our lives and the responsibility and privilege we have of being able to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. That is the key and the crux of that theme verse that we've been looking at every week from Joel chapter 1 verse 3. Can all of us please speak this together this morning? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. We see that verse played out here at Shepherd of the Desert on a a daily basis. Yesterday my wife was going to a baby shower And it's for the future grandchild of one of our elders here at church. Uh, It was a special memory for me as I thought about this verse. uh, Because that elder was actually my Sunday school teacher as a young boy when I lived in California. Years later, I had the opportunity of being able to do the wedding ceremony for his daughter. And in just a couple short months from now... Uh, we will roll this baptismal fount out right here, front and center, and we will baptize that, that next generation. It's amazing when we see God working through us in those ways of passing down that message to our children, to their children, and to the next generation. It's the calling that each one of us has. The generation that we look at today is shared with a lot of different elements in the world. We hear about them in advertising. We hear about them in the world in a lot of different ways. Uh, They're the generation that comes right after Generation X, and so they're labeled Generation Y often. It's the generation that is labeled as the, the Echo Boomers because they share a lot of things in common with the Baby Boomer generation. It's the generation that we call the Millennials, the Millennial Generation. An interesting group of individuals, we might think. Uh, the millennials. Look at some of these statistics with me here this morning. On average, millennials right now uh, actually earn 20% less than their parents uh, do. It's not too typical as we look at generation to generation. Uh, the average millennial is actually about 40000 to $45,000 in debt already in their life. Many of those uh, because of student loan they have had to take on. Uh, Millennials, one in three out of every Millennials actually still lives with their parents, even into adulthood. And we hear some of these facts today and we may think that's why they get some of those stereotypes of being lazy or being self-centered or being a generation that is corrupted by the internet or corrupted by technology. And it's easy to think of younger generations in that way. That the generations that follow us, uh, they're going to they're destroy the world, aren't they? Didn't your parents think the same about you? Probably the exact same thing, right? We always think that about, about younger generations. But the truth is, uh, all of our generations have experienced times of corruption. All of our generations experience times of sin. It's something that's been built into us from early, early on with our first parents in the garden. It's something that has always existed throughout all time. Look how a Peter addresses the early church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 verse 40 it says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Look how many years ago this was that, that Peter says those exact same words. Because the truth is, none of us are innocent. No generation whatsoever. That all of us are sinners, are in need of the Lord and his love. So we need to pass down that saving grace of Jesus to our children, to their children, and to the next generation that people will be united under this baptism that we have in our Lord. Every week we take whatever that generation is and we compare them with somebody within scripture. Somebody that has some of the general uh, qualities maybe of that generation today we have an interesting individual that was highlighted for us in our Old Testament reading, the person of Joseph. Now Joseph is the son of who we looked at last week, uh, Jacob, and the one uh, we are told about is young, it says in that reading. It, we see that he lives at home. He could maybe be one classified as uh, living under this realm of entitlement. We see a a brother that is always tattling on his siblings, and he appears to really have been spoiled by his father. Uh, Review that account with me today from Genesis chapter 37, beginning at verse 3. It says, now Israel, uh, remember from our text last week, Jacob uh, wrestles with God, and God gives him that new name of of Israel. Israel uh, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. A fun footnote as we move through these generations in the book of Genesis Uh, The book of Genesis can actually be broken up into ten different generational uh, elements. Uh, And that's not uh, by human means on our side later today. That's within the Bible itself. You'll see in chapter 36 that God starts telling us about this generation that we look at today. This is the final generation mentioned within this book of Genesis. That that message we heard in our gospel lesson continues to get pushed through over and over and over again. Now we see Jacob here... Uh, do a big parental no-no, right? Uh, Jacob, uh, Joseph's father, actually loves him more than his other children. He physically is even showing his other sons that. Joseph's brothers uh, hate him for it. They become very jealous of him. And Joseph himself is not doing himself any favors whatsoever in the declarations that he makes to his brothers. Again, review with me verses 5 through 7. So Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, "Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it joseph 's family, uh, especially at this point in our world 's history, would have been a little nomadic, moving around from place to place, uh, trying to find areas where they could plant and harvest. Uh, They would have been in this agricultural business of being able to create food for themselves. They're obviously not just walking down to the neighborhood store to be able to get that. It would have taken all generations to come together in the time of the harvest to be able to put all these sheaves of grain together. And so this would have been a piece of imagery that they had really embedded in their mind of their grain all having to bow down to their brother's. And something begins to to happen there. Because relationships that we have are, are truly wonderful when they function in the way that God intended them to. But when relationships go south, they get very toxic, very quick. And this is the case with Joseph and his brothers. That these fractures that continue to occur over time are now growing into these major separations. And his brothers are very, very upset. Look how they respond in verse 8. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Maybe at this point we pause as a congregation and we start to evaluate the relationships that you and I have. We have lots of relationships within our life relationships between husband and wife or son and uh, daughter or between siblings or between you name it co-workers neighbors there's a lot of relationships that we have around us do a quick inventory are the relationships that you have in your life that are maybe a little lacking at this point maybe relationships that were doing so well in the in the past but something happened. There was that small element there maybe that changed that relationship into something sour, a moment of distrust maybe. Maybe something large happened and it really cut you to the core and it broke apart this relationship that once was. What are the relationships that you and I have in our life? Are there things that we need to address in some of those relationships? Because we see today that Joseph's brothers, they have been wounded at this experience. And unfortunately, this wound that they have, it contaminates their thinking very, very poorly. Look how our text continues today in Genesis 37, beginning at verse 19. His brothers say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. When you read that, that text, and just take a moment to take a breath there and think about what is happening in this scenario. This is no fictitious story. This is an event in scripture that happened. When we read this, we must all think, that is just horrible. We would never do anything like that, would we? It's amazing how much we can get pressed as, as humans to leap from one thing to the next. To be able to find so many things that should be based around our life and forget about the people around us. To look at other individuals or other generations because of the way that they dress or act or things they say and maybe we think less of them. Even in answering this question this morning we can explain away our actions. Well at least I'm not as bad as that other generation. They have done so many things that are worse. At least I am not as bad as these brothers that we see in our text today. There's no way I would ever do that. We start to justify our behavior because everybody else is worse than we are. We get on that train of justification and we keep going and going and going as we explain away our actions. However, God gives us a very different truth no matter what generation that you are a part of. Hear those familiar words in Romans chapter 3 verse 23. The Lord writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I play a part in this shortcoming even as I stand here before you today you play a part in this shortcoming too so does Joseph and so do all of his brothers but it's amazing for us to know that even in the midst of our failures that the Lord always reigns supreme in all things the Lord reigns supreme and that his plan is always carried out in the situation with Joseph that we look at this morning, uh, we can see that his life has a many, many up and downs throughout his life after this text happens. For 14 years, he goes through points of when he is in this situation and that situation, and finally we come to a moment in which he actually becomes the one who is in the command of, of all of Egypt. He is second only to Pharaoh. Joseph's brothers have uh, succumbed to a horrible famine that has come across the land. They have to go to Egypt and try to find some type of food. And from there, they run into their brother Joseph once again. Look how he responds. Genesis 45, beginning at verse 4. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. The one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed. And do not do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Would you have done the same in this situation? The men who turned their backs on you. Who sold you into slavery. Who have written you off for dead. Are standing there right in front of you. You have received this great privilege and this great uh, place of authority and power, and would have been justified to punish them like the way that they would have deserved. What would you have done in this situation? Joseph puts aside his anger and his his rage, and he covers his brothers in, in a different coat, in a coat of forgiveness. Joseph does not react in sin, as the world would probably encourage you and I to be able to do, as we would lash out against these men, but he acts out in love, as God commands him to do. God commands all of us to live in that exact same way. We heard Robbie read that today in our epistle text. Look at that first verse again, from Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the fundamental ideals that we have for life according to the way that God first designed us before we had this element of sin that we continue to pass down to each generation. These are directives for All of us to know the privilege that we have to be called children of the Heavenly Father. Think of that today. Children of the Heavenly Father. You know one day there was a father that decided he was going to uh, do something special for his children. He told him he was going to take them out and purchase something very special for them. So he took them to the store, and the first thing the children saw was the candy when they came in. And then they said, Dad, can we have this, this candy? This candy right here looks so good. Dad, can this please be the special surprise that you have for us? And their dad said, let's uh, look around a little bit more first. They went over to the toy aisle and they saw these outfits, uh, cowboy outfits and princess outfits, and they started putting the pieces on and they thought, Dad, can we have these gifts? Can these be the special gift that you're going to get for us today? And again, the father said the same thing. Let's, Let's just look around a little bit more first. They went over to the sporting goods section and they began to find baseball bats and gloves and balls, and they started taking practice swings and trying them on. And they thought, Dad, this is the best. Can we please get these things? And the dad, one more time, said those words Let's just look around a little bit more first. As they went to the back of the sporting goods section, they saw pressed off in the corner some bicycles, brand new bicycles that were there, kind of saved off to the side. They looked at those bikes and they knew that they would come at a a big cost and they figured that that cost would just be too much for their father and so they never said anything. Their father saw the children staring at the bikes and he said, I hope you like those bikes because I already bought them for you. The children that left that store that day received far more than they ever bargained for. All because they had a father that refused to let them settle for his best. I wonder how many times within our lives uh, God has something so big for us in mind. But maybe we have missed it. We weren't looking. We didn't have our eyes open. Maybe we just didn't have the faith that he could do something so big in our lives. Joseph has all of these ups and downs within his life times when he could have turned his back on god times when he could have punished the people that had done so much to destroy his life but in all things he remains dependent on the lord who graciously gives you and i all thanks we see this example not only mimicked in the life of joseph but we see it perfected in the person of jesus christ Look at our final scripture passage today uh, from the book of Philippians again, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This morning and every morning, we praise our Heavenly Father for sparing no expense at the gift that he has provided for us through his Son. One who he himself paid the price of death so that we may be wrapped in that coat of forgiveness also so in the ups and downs of our life and the relationships that we have with one another, good or bad, may we have that same mindset as Christ Jesus. That on the days when it's especially tough, we will take advice of our Heavenly Father. Just look around a little bit first, he says. I promise I have the perfect gift just waiting for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we give all the glory to you for the gift that you have provided for us uh, in your Son. Lord, we ask that that gift will continue to grow and flourish within our hearts and uh, into all the relationships that we have, that we will be wise to your plan of salvation and stand up for what you have given us to be able to do in this world, uh, to pass on the message of your Son to generation to generation and to all those who will, will come after us. Lord, what a great and wonderful message and gift you have provided uh, at your own expense. Allow us to uh, not take that for advantage, uh, Lord, but to be able to, again, uh, share that with all we come in contact with. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. We have had the opportunity this morning to hear the words of the Lord, and now we have the opportunity to worship him and respond in our tithes and offerings. We invite our ushers forward.